Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. We're going to pick up in the book of Deuteronomy. That's the fifth book in the Old Testament in um, the Bible. And we're at chapter 6. So, let's begin with verse 1. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you're crossing over to possess. So the person talking at this point is presumably Moses, though it doesn't say it. Same Ten Commandments, Moses. Speaking to the congregation, the children of Israel who have been emancipated from slavery uh, 40 years just before this point in the story. And they're on their way. They've left Africa. They've um, emancipated in Egypt. And they've traveled to what we now call the promised, uh, what we now call um, Israel or Palestine, what they call the promised land and Canaan. And they're being given the commandments that they are to um, uh, abide by while they are there in that land. Verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. So Moses is saying that the commandments he's giving, or that the people are being given, it's not just for them, it's for the generations to come. And um, it's um, the statutes and commandments are things that are above and beyond those Ten Commandments or at least the statutes are above and beyond the Ten Commandments, which we went over in the last couple of chapters, that the people were given when Moses ascended the mountain and got the two stone tablets, according to the narrative from the Lord, directly written even direct by the Lord. Yet it took 40 days each time for Moses to, um, um, to receive them. That's how it reads. Let's keep reading verse 3. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord your as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. So a couple of things to notice there. These commandments aren't being given to everyone, not to the entire world, not to uh for every religion to observe, but specifically for these people, this congregation of people uh, the congregation of Israel to observe the people delivered from that same slavery through the Exodus story the Passover um, procedures and all of that these people specifically are given this command, these commandments um, for their own good for their prosperity they were adopted by other religions since then but specifically right now they're being given by Moses to these people verse 4 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, and the Lord is one. So that's the first and great commandment for the people to recognize that um, the Lord that they're serving is singular, one Lord, and in that sense not to have anyone else put on that same level with God in their um, worship. And in this case, the word Lord is being translated again, in this case, from the word or name Jehovah. So that lets us know that's who the people are calling their Lord at this time in the story. And like I've said again and again, that changes throughout the Bible. It's changed a lot, even in just the five books that we've gotten into the Bible so far. Verse 6, I'm sorry, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. 
So uh, Jesus reiterates this um, commandment in the Gospels that that's the first and great commandment, and the second is like it that you left to love, to love your neighbor as yourself. And we've said that uh, when we've gone over that before. That's and Jesus even says it. Jesus Jesus says it for us to um, learn by that those two commandments cover all the law and the prophets in the sense that if you're faithful to those two, you won't you won't be breaking any of the others. Um, just as a quick for instance, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, then you wouldn't do anything to your neighbor that you wouldn't want done to you, whether that's being lied to, stolen from, oppressed, or even a knee, a knee kneel, knelt on your neck till you die after about 10 minutes. You wouldn't want any of those things done to you. So when you see them being done to other people, you should immediately be able to recognize that it's evil, it's ungodly, and it's breaking these uh, commandments. Because again, if you wouldn't want it done to you, then you recognize it's not something you should be doing to someone else. Um, verse, five, verse 6, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. So uh, Moses is reiterating that we should uh, that the people should and Jesus again affirms this in the gospels for Christians should keep this commandment near and dear these commandments near and dear to our hearts so that we don't break them verse 7 you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise up so the commandment to love the Lord and love our neighbor as ourselves though he hasn't covered the or the neighbor is your self-love commandment yet. The loving your the Lord commandment should, I think what he's saying in this verse, it should abide with us in all that we do, everywhere we go, and all that we say. We should consider, is what we're doing, what we're saying, how we're being, uh, recognizing and, and respecting that commandment to love the Lord. Are you showing love for the Lord in the things you say, do, and um and act are you or are you not and if you're not then you're not being faithful to that commandment verse 8 you should bind them as a sign on your hand they shall be as frontlets between your eyes so when i think of frontlets i think of glasses but let me just be sure because that may not be the same way frontlets are being used here but just as close as the glasses are to your face or um frontlets uh the definition of frontlets, uh, ornamental piece of cloth hanging your hanging over the upper part of an altar frontal, or the dated explanation front for frontlets is a decorative band or ornament worn on the forehead. So it's almost like a bandana. I was thinking glasses. See, it's good pace to know. <laughs> so the more you know, as they say. So it's not talking about glasses. It's talking about a bandana sort of thing that you wear around your forehead. Back then, ornamentally. And so it's saying that just as close as that is to your mind, let the commandment be to your mind and to your heart. Um, like a wig. As close as your wig is to your head, let the commandments be to your mind, to your heart. Um, of that commandment specifically verse 7 she'll teach them diligently to your children and she'll talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise up I'm sorry I think I repeated that so um it's supposed to be the the commandments are supposed to be that close to us in our daily walk 
as even that front lid or those the bandana would be uh, so verse 8 that was verse that was verse 8 verse 9 you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so I think what he's saying there is to have constant reminders that we're supposed to be circumspect and loving the Lord and loving our neighbor as ourselves. and again even though I haven't gotten to the love your neighbor as yourself commandment yet that's what Jesus lets us know as Christians are the first are the first are the two great commandments in the law verse 10 so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers Abraham Isaac and Jacob to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build so um Moses is reflecting back on what the forefathers that's who Abraham Isaac and Jacob are who they are and the different encounters they had with uh, the the divine that they considered God and I say that because the experiences they had with who they call God contradict what the rest of the Bibles or what other parts of the Bibles say about uh, the identity of God for instance Abraham is the one who um, had uh, sat and ate with God and just before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah Jacob is another one who got the name changed to Israel, but he was uh, in in the Bible wrestling, physically wrestling with God, and not only physically wrestling with God, but also defeated God in that wrestling match. So if you're to believe those are God, then believe what you want to believe, but that contradicts what the other parts of the Bible say about God, that no one's seen God at any time, seen his, voice, seen his form, or heard his voice. Um... Uh, yet that's what it says here so again we're just reading it um but they were given those promises that they would inherit a land or as it turns out colonize another land that wasn't theirs that they didn't build that they didn't originate uh, but that it is being given to them according to the narrative by god as a possession and for their descendants after them and in a sense that <clears throat> excuse me that prophecy is what did come true because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't possess um, the holy land, the promised land for always as their descendants have and even their descendants didn't possess it for always they possessed it at some point and then lost it and then possessed it and then lost it and then in modern times possess it to an extent um, but also lost it to an extent because it's disputed territory in modern times Verse 11, houses, I'm sorry, houses, houses full of all good things, which you did not fill, hewn out wells, which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant, when you have eaten and are full. So Moses is going over the land flowing with milk and honey, that same area we've talked about, the disputed territory, how it's going to be overflowing with an abundance of all sorts of desirable things. And, um... And that that's the area they're going in to colonize or possess, take possession of. Verse 12, occupy. Verse 12, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So Moses is saying once you enter into that land that's flowing with milk and honey, a land of abundance and prosperity, don't let that prosperity draw your attention away from being faithful to the one who delivered you. Moses is admonishing the people to stay faithful to the emancipator, the one 
who freed them from this enslavement they were experiencing in Egypt. Though, as we've read in the narrative again and again, they would have preferred to turn back to being slaves than to continue uh, in the congregation that has made it to this point in the story. Verse 13. So let us know they had a hard time in this in those wilderness years, in those 40 years. They weren't easy, even though they had the miracle of manna feeding them and the presence of the divine guiding them they still again and again uh, preferred or would have chosen to turn back from the mission of following the Lord to instead be enslaved again so it lets us know just how hard the 40 years were on the people um, verse 13 you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name so the first part of that makes sense. Fear the Lord. That's the one who's guiding and rescuing, providing for and saving the people. So to revere the Lord and keep the Lord as the number one makes sense. But the second part of it, um, that's a little trickier. That's uh, the part that if you're a Christian, probably recognizes something Jesus says is you're not supposed to do. Here in verse 13, it's saying, uh, to take oaths in the name of God. So if you if you think of that, that means like when you get married or when you're in court, you get sworn in for say court or for your job, you may get sworn in. Like if you're law enforcement, it, they'll have you put your hand on a on a on something that people consider reverent, whether it's a Bible or some other uh, sacred document, and have you swear an oath. And that is what it says here about taking an oath. But Jesus tells us not to swear at all, not by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by the earth, for it's its footstool, and um, that our yes should be yes and our no should be no. That's Matthew 5.37. So it lets us know that if you're a Christian, that's what we're supposed to be abiding by, the things Jesus says. If you're not a Christian, or if you're a Christian that's trying to live by Genesis, from by everything from Genesis to Revelation, then you may hold this as dear to your heart, saying, Oh, it's okay to swear in the name of God. That's not what Jesus says, even though it's right here in the Bible. That's a prime example of a contradictory message that is in the Bible that you have to choose whether you're going to follow one part of the Bible or you're going to follow what Jesus says as a Christian in the uh, red letters of the Bible. For me, that decision is easy, but for for lots of people, it's not. It's a, it's a, it's a, they're torn. Verse 14, you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. So that the idol worship or um, idolatry as it's called and is forbidden and that's been consistent. And when it says gods here, the word gods, lowercase or uppercase is, uh, I'm sorry, upper, lowercase or capitalized is still um, being translated from the word Elohim. So when it says, Lord, your God, with a capital G, the God there is Elohim. But then when it says, other gods, lowercase, that's also Elohim. So it lets us know that's not talking about a name specifically, but more like, it seems to me, a title or a position. Whereas Lord is being translated from the word Jehovah in this instance, but that also changes and so does the translation of the word God. Sometimes it's just L, uh, the proper name of another uh, deity that people would worship um, throughout the Bible. Um, but in this instance, that's what they're translated from. 
Verse 14, you should not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. So worshiping um, uh, idol worship, idolatry of worshiping other religions, in other words, is what it's saying, is also forbidden. Verse 15, for the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. So it's saying if so that you don't tick the Lord off by worshiping other gods, by um, serving other entities and calling other religions your way of life uh, so that you don't experience the wrath of God. Don't do those things because it will only kindle the fire of God's wrath and jealousy against you. Verse 16, you shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. So when it when this is a verse that when it says tempt the Lord, you might wonder, well, how can you tempt God? It's not like you can put on something sexy and seduce God. Um, but in a sense, you actually can, but not in a sexual sense, but in a faithful sense, in a sense of being faithful to God. And that, that's where adultery and harlotry enter into the figurative way of um of um of the expression of our relationship with god because you're not actually having sex with god you're not actually married to god but in being unfaithful to the commandments unfaithful to the things in the case of christianity the red letters then in that sense you are being adulterous you are being unfaithful um because we've been told what to do for our whichever faith you're walking by if you're being faithful and so when it says tempting the lord here it seems to me it's what it well we know it's what jesus reflected back on in the gospels when in the narrative jesus is going through the 40 days of of um trial just before his uh ministry begins officially and he does it with fasting in the wilderness sort of like the 40 years of fasting the people are experiencing here in the Old Testament. And we know when the people were sentenced to that 40 year, uh, forty years of wandering in the wilderness, they were told they were paying for their sin one year for every day that they were unfaithful in the wilderness. And, and so the 40 days of unfaithfulness turned into 40 years of punishment. And so in that same uh, sense, Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness preparing for the uh, or at least um i guess it would i guess preparing for would be uh maybe not preparing for introducing his period of ministry in the flesh where uh he fasted for those 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and was tempted by the devil and in those temptations jesus reflects back on these um um these this scripture when the devil attempts to tempt Jesus with scripture, Jesus uses the same dogmatic scriptures to counter the temptations that the devil tries him with. And if you want to read that yourself, you can look in the New Testament. It's Luke 4, verse 8. For Luke chapter 4 and in Matthew chapter 4 also reflect on Jesus' period of temptation. Um, verse 17, you shall diligently keep the commandments of of the Lord your God his testimonies and his statutes which he's commanded you so Moses is saying be faithful to the commandments that he's laying out that are being laid out to the people here 
verse 18 and you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may be well with you and that you may go in and possess the good land of which the Lord swore to your fathers so Moses is saying if you don't want to run into trouble stay faithful to the commandments that are being laid out to you verse 19 to cast out all your enemies before you as the Lord has spoken so he's, Moses is saying being faithful to the commandments that are being laid out the Lord will be faithful to the commandment also a covenant just like a marriage covenant a contract that if you're faithful the Lord will be faithful to uh, to them specifically and in that faithfulness cast out the enemies before them in that land they're going in to colonize verse 20 when your son asks you in time to come saying what is the meaning of the testimonies the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you so he's saying when future generations wonder what are they what do you mean by all that here's the explanation verse 21 then you shall say to your son we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand so the first thing to remember when you're asked by your when the descendants ask in times to come what's the meaning of these statutes ordinances laws and whatnot the first thing you to remember is that you were once slaves so to remember that hum, that humility to remember that wherever you are now how no matter how rich famous or prosperous you may become the first thing to remember is that you were once slaves and if people would actually remember that and were faithful in remembering that a whole lot of the other evil that goes on in the world wouldn't go on for instance you see people who tokenize themselves they'll put a yarmulke on their head and proclaim their jewish heritage but then they'll go out and be a token for a, a, a cheerleader for a cause that hates them you see that in these right-wing um people on online now who are very popular even kind of cute but their ways are actually kind of wicked, evil, and hypocritical because, one, they're forgetting that once they were slaves, so now they're speaking out against things like Black Lives Matter, and a, a cause that is seeking to right the wrongs of enslavement and the legacy of enslavement, I should say, and the legacy of enslavement for the people who suffered it. But they forget that they also once were slaves too, and they forget that in trying to appease the class that's in power in trying to pass for white and which they could do if they take the yarmulke off people wouldn't know they're jewish but they keep it on to sort of signal virtue signal as they say that oh you can trust their opinion because they're a part of the group but we know for a fact there's people who will sell themselves and their groups out for crust of bread or in other words for some money you see it again and again with there's black people who do it um uh, there are gay people who do it there's trans people who do it there's Jewish people who do it who tokenize themselves and be one of the in crowd just for the sake of getting by but be actually selling themselves and the people like them out there's gay like I said there's all tokens come in all sorts of shapes and sizes colors and genders so whatever the people in power need a token to be they can find someone willing to be it and you don't need to look far to find them verse 22 and the lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes and severe wait let's read that one again so i think i might have skipped one. Oh no so remember you were slaves verse 22 and the lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes great and severe against egypt 
Pharaoh and all his household. So he's saying, remember that you were slaves. Remember your ancestors were slaves. No matter where you are now, you were once slaves. And so when you see other people being enslaved, that should be an outrage to you. You shouldn't be okay with it. You shouldn't, much less empowering the, the enslavement of the people enslaving them. You shouldn't be on the side of that if you remember where you came from. But if you forget where you came from in favor of money or acceptance or validity by a group that hates you, then recognize that's what you're doing. You're tokenizing yourself, which again, it may be prosperous, it may pay dividends, but it's being unfaithful to the commandments and it has a cost. Verse 23, then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. So in remembering you were once slaves, remember that you're also delivered from that slavery by great signs. And we read through those in the book of Exodus, the parting of the Red Sea, for instance, the Passover narrative, for instance, just as two examples that the people experienced to let them know the supernatural is on their side for against slavery to deliver from that. And yet you see right after that, once they were delivered, somehow, some strange way, they were given the orders on how to enslave other people and how to keep them as slaves from generation to generation. So to me, that lets us know it's inconsistent. So if it's inconsistent, can that really be from the Lord God Almighty? Or is it an example of what Jesus says? The forefathers adding to what it is Moses was given for the people to observe. To me, it seems pretty clear. Why would the Lord deliver people from slavery and then tell them to enslave other people? I don't think that's the Lord at all. I think that's just religion and dogma. And like Jesus says, the forefathers laying out these things for self-enrichment rather than for righteousness. Oh, but I could be wrong, so believe what you want to believe. But again, if you're a Christian, why not believe what Jesus says? Verse 24, And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. So Moses is saying, and being faithful to those commandments, that will be the secret to making it to our lives, to living, to escaping the snares of death. And, and obviously not physical death, but sort of entrapments that people will put out to go for your life and to get you. That in observing the statutes, beginning with loving the Lord your God, and um, loving your neighbor as yourself, and then the other eight commandments um, to preserve our lives. Verse 25, that it, then it will be righteousness for us if we're careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So in staying faithful to those ten commandments, it's saying, Moses is saying, the Lord will be faithful in recognizing that faithfulness in keeping those Ten Commandments and will keep the Lord's part in those commandments in preserving life, in providing for us, in keeping us, protecting us, and saving us as it says, um, or as it said, I should say, because that was the last verse in this chapter. So that's where we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me, and I hope you'll join me again. God bless you. Peace be with you. I'll see you next time. I love you.